Welcome to the Filipino American Woman Project, also known as Tifa Project for short, a podcast show that features stories and life lessons told by American women of Filipino descent. We're your co-hosts, Jen Amos. And I'm Nani Dominguez. And thank you for joining us. If today's conversation resonates with you, text us and let us know at 415-484-8329. And if you want to show us some love, buy us boba at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jen and Nani. It says coffee, but we love boba. Again, that's www.buymeacoffee.com slash Jen and Nani. Awesome. With that said, thank you all for your love and support. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Filipino American Woman Project. 100 episodes later, by the way, we are in a completely new chapter of our season. And as always, I have my co-host with me, Nani Dominguez. Nani, welcome back. What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Yeah. And I thought I would ask you, how does it feel now that we've passed that 100 episode threshold? Oh, I just feel like we got to step up our game and <laughs> we have a lot of things planned to release like in the next month. So we hope that you guys are staying in touch with our newsletter, with the show announcements in these episodes, just so you can stay up to date with what we have coming out and what we have going on. Come and be in community with us. Awesome. I love it. Thank you for doing that for me because I'm usually the call to action girl. So that was awesome. (laughs) Well, Nani, we are really excited today because once again, I feel like it's so funny because I feel like the first like what 50, 60, 70 episodes, you did not tell your family that you were podcasting. (laughs) And the moment they found out now I feel like your family is on the show all the time. So without further ado, let us know who is here with us today. Yes. So you guys have the pleasure of meeting another one of my aunties today. Auntie Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. Like, I feel like I need to step up my game and bring out my family. (laughs) But, you know, Laura, obviously, you know, you heard about the show because of Nani, but let us know what compelled you to say, yes, I want to be on the show and I want to share my story. Absolutely. I think just with so much going on, um, you know, the environment, especially right now in the Asian community, you know, I'm looking to just become more involved. And I kind of really like the messaging. I liked watching some of the prior videos. And I just thought it would be kind of fun to just add another perspective into the mix. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that and contributing to our project. In any of the content that you are able to digest, was there any one like video or episode that stood out to you? Well, I mean, of course, I may have a favorite, Monique (laughs) and my sister. What I thought was really interesting, so you grow up, and I've known them my whole life, obviously, and I still learn new things, you know, and I really just liked hearing Monique's perspective. I know we don't always get the opportunity when you're there with family and you're cooking and there's Mm. just everything else going on. You don't really get the opportunity to touch on deeper topics. And so it was really eye-opening to kind of connect with my family on a more meaningful, like thoughtful level. Yeah, I hear you on that. I was just thinking about even the new friends that 
I've made locally here in Virginia Beach. And whenever we meet up, it's usually like within a group. And I'm a very much like one to one or maybe one to two people at a time because I feel like I can better connect with people with like deep meaning conversations. However, when you're in a group setting, there's so much going on. People are talking over each other. People are distracted. I mean, that's the way I'm verbalizing it. At least it's probably completely different for extroverts. They probably would, you know, mention like describe that experience very differently. But for me, it's overstimulating is what I'm trying to say. And so you don't really get to have like those deeper conversations in person sometimes. Otherwise you're kind of like the weird people, like in the living room that you're not talking to anyone. And then they're like, wait, what's going on there? there, You know, what's (laughs) happening? You know, and then everyone starts to gravitate like, Hey, are you okay? Like, is something going on? And then before you know it, it's like, it's just this weird, like funny experience. But I know Nani, you definitely have a lot more experience being in in the family settings more so than me, because I'm estranged to a lot of my family members. So I'm curious to get your perspective as well in regards to, you know, being in those like parties, like big party settings and, you know, engaging with your family. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely overstimulating for me as an introvert, but it's also like where I love to be. You know, I love those family settings and you're right. We don't get to sit down and talk about like deep things. And even when we are in smaller settings, at least in our family specifically, I feel like it's not that common for us to sit down and talk about like our experience or our identity or, you know, mental health, things like that. So it was a really special opportunity for me to sit down with my auntie Fredette. You guys know her as Marie and my cousin Monique, who grew up, you know, that was like my sister growing up, the closest Mm -hmm. thing I had to a sister. So it was really nice to sit down. And I know Mo was kind of hesitant to do it at first because again, we don't really talk about that kind of stuff that often, but I really wanted to like push her and do it because she just had her baby. So update for you guys, when we interviewed her a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, whenever that was, she was like nine months pregnant or coming up on nine months pregnant. And she just had her baby a couple weeks ago, Ooh. probably like the week after we interviewed them. Yeah. So baby Mia is here. Oh and my yeah, it was just really important for me. Auntie Laura, I don't know if you also knew that I'm also pregnant. <laughs> Um, I did. I, I, ca- I caught it at the announcement. on, oh, on right. The we said it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Nani um, hasn't like told everyone. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm pregnant. I now. forget <laughs> like who I told and who I haven't told or if I've said it on the show. Blah, blah, blah. So anyway, <laughs> it was important for me to get us to all sit down and kind of just like capture where we're at and what we've gone through and what it was like for us growing up for our kids to later listen back on and learn about and just see like, oh, wow, look at auntie, look at mom, look at grandma, you know? So yeah, it was important for me to do that. And it was Jeffrey actually, who had reached out to me. Jeffrey is Monique's little brother, another one of my cousins who had reached out to me just saying the same thing, like, wow, this is really special for me to get to listen to. Thank you so much for having them on and for asking them these questions. And I think that another person that you guys should have on is Auntie Laura. So it was a special request from Jeffrey, (laughs) which if any of the family is listening, please know that you guys have every right to do that. Hit me up and, you know, make your special request if there's someone specific from the family that you want to see on the show, just because, you know, there are so many women that I would love to interview all my aunties, but I don't want to like inundate anyone (laughs) with, you know, who might feel like intimidated by it or pressured or anything. So if you make a special request, then I can blame it on you. (laughs) (laughs) But Jeffrey, yes, this is for you, Jeffrey. We love you. Yeah. So Laura, how does it feel for you to to hear all of this? Well, I mean, I, I think it's exciting. I think that honestly, 
money, thanks to you and this project, I really think it's going to open up some deeper dialogue in our family. Mm -hmm. I really do. Like we never realized that, Hey, we don't talk about it, but then as we start touching on these things, like I find out, you know, Jeffrey's interested in the environment and, you know, what I'm like, so am I, you know, that's, you know, it's something very important and near and dear. And so, yeah, I appreciate the project for just opening up the dialogue for something so much more deeper and meaningful in my family. It's really cool. Absolutely. That would be my, you know, my like ultimate goal would be to have that kind of impact specifically like internally within our family. So I love to love to hear that. Yeah. And being on a podcast doesn't cost anything. So (laughs) it's interesting how we've had like a lot of listeners. I have one in particular I could think of where they, you know, she has mentioned to us that, you know, I could go to therapy, but listening to the show is very therapeutic, like just to feel seen, heard and validated, you know, that my experiences are not so odd or so far-fetched like that. There are other people who have these shared experiences like me and therefore I can show up as I am. Like, you know, hearing all these stories gives us the conviction to do that and gives other people the courage to contribute to the show. So, you know, Laura, thank you for being a part of it and for sharing that. I think that there's something beautiful about podcasting. Like when I brought my mom and my sister on during the holidays, we lost dad when I was 10 and my mom doesn't talk a lot about that time but on that episode my mom revealed so much that happened in that time frame and I was all like you know I mean I I say this jokingly because my mom's a very matter-of-fact person like it's not like she intends to hide things it's just that she'll bring it up when it's relevant so we happen to be talking about dad she's like oh by the way this is what happened during that time you know there was like he was missing for three days they did an investigation for three months like she got into like clear detail you're like what and I was like (laughs) oh mom that would be like that would have been good to know like 20 years ago like you know but I I don't fault her for it like obviously she was a widow uh, three kids under 11 like she had to do what she needed to survive so it's kind of like it's like fun bonuses that I think like only podcasting made that possible you know for her to you know share that information and so you know to hear the impact of even you know just Marie and Monique coming on is beautiful and inspiring and it's another affirmation that Nani and I are doing something good with our show so thank you for that feedback yeah absolutely Well, Laura, of course, the show is called the Filipino American Woman Project. And I think that the label, the Filipino American woman means something different for everyone. So let us know in your terms, when you think of the Filipino American woman, share with us a little bit about your family background and what that, I guess you could say label or description means to you. Yep, absolutely. You know, background wise, and what I, I, what I noticed I had to stop doing is you know, I started peeking into some of the other podcasts and then I stopped because I didn't want it to taint some of my own answers here, like, (laughs) you know, in terms of what I'm going to pull from in my background. So yeah, I was born in the Philippines. I was born in Manila, you know, as with many immigrant families at that time, I know my parents couldn't take me, you know, to America right away. So I had to stay back in the Philippines with my aunt and uncle for until I was three years old, until, you know, things were stable here in the U.S. And then Mm -hmm. they can bring me, basically fly me out. So I ended up coming out here when I was three, late 70s, let's just call it. (laughs) I think I'm honestly coming into my own, really starting to embrace my culture, maybe over the last 15 years. I think a lot of folks, and I've noticed this with a lot of other Filipinas that I speak with and who have been in, you know, the United States for the same amount of time that I have, in the 80s or late 70s, I think a lot of 
folks just assume you're Latin mm. or Hispanic. And so you just kind of get lumped into that category. And then you really do start questioning like, okay, I'm Filipino and they don't know what it is. So then you yeah. just have to explain, you know, I'm Filipino and part English. And, you know, I would say I'm mostly English. I'm mostly white. Yeah. Obviously I'm not, you know, <laughs> but as I got older, I'm like, no. And, you know, there are more Filipinos out there and just being able to identify and as people became smarter, social media and folks educate themselves. And it's like, okay, no, you're Filipino. You're not Mexican. You're not, you know, whatever we get it. I always tell them, the nose will usually give it away, <laughs> you Love know, it. and at the end of the day, it's like you, Jen, I've, I've noticed like you've made comments about embracing your natural hair color, things like that, not trying to make it blonde and what have you. And I think what I've noticed in watching some of your podcasts is that identity of being, you know, what really truly a Filipino American woman is today can be a little bit confusing. And I think sometimes it's a journey you have to find on your own because yeah. you could have your mom and your dad you know, instilling the old school, you know, mentality, but anymore, you know, it's okay to embrace the diversity and it's okay, you know, to be of mixed ethnicity. And I think that that's something I had to become old enough and mature enough to accept and still love myself in spite of any weird, you know, racism type of stereotypes growing up. So I'd have to say it took me a minute to really kind of embrace the Filipino side of me and really be proud to say I'm, you know, I'm Filipino and that's it. Like I, I'll say, yeah, there's some other things in there, but I'm mostly Filipino. Whereas before I would almost highlight everything else I was mm. because nobody knew what Filipino was. Right. So, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Laura. And yeah, it is interesting because, you know, I lived in California for 20 years, like in SoCal and yeah, I mean, people would think I'm Latina. They think I'm maybe Guamanian. Like they, they would just always think that I'm, you know, ambiguous. And I appreciate you listening to the show and, and pointing that out about like my hair, because there was a time where I felt inferior to my friends that would like highlight their hair or turn it red, red. My mom has like a really dark red hair. I mean, she's like, that's my mom. <laughs> I'm not going to count her as part of this conversation, but when I talk about like my peer group, you know, like having their hair a certain color, not, you know, not to fault them or anything. That's their choice. It just more so made me feel a little, insecure of like, oh, is my black hair like not good enough, you know? And so it's a big pride point for me to like keep my same hair color just because like, I mean, I am like, you know, I'm 33 and I'm starting to see some white hair back there. I was like, okay, that's cool, you know, but I'll, maybe I'll color it like when it makes sense to. But until then, it's like, I do like embracing like my black hair and everything. And, and you know, it's really nice that we are arriving to a place with what it feels like, where it is about embracing like diversity and different cultural backgrounds, where back then it was very easy to be like, I remember even in filling out like, you know, the forms in school where it basically said like, are you white or are you Hispanic? Or are you like non-Hispanic or are you Asian? <laughs> you know? And it was just like, it was so weird. Cause I was like, am I Asian or am I Pacific Islander? It was just like this very confusing thing. And, you know, ultimately I think as we get older, we just really just embrace who we are. You're like, you know what? Like I am who I am, who I say I am. And that's it period, you know? And it's interesting to observe. And so I, I appreciate you sharing all that. And I think it's interesting. It, it definitely speaks to the whole history of assimilation and how, you know, back mm -hmm. in the day, uh, a couple decades ago, it was popular to want to blend in and want to be white or get as close in proximity to whiteness as you possibly could. 
And, you know, to look back on it now in this moment, like you touched on Auntie with everything that's going on in the Asian American community right now and how it really feels like we are backtracking almost or like Mm -hmm. we really haven't come that far. You know, it's like at the very least, look at us, we're at least proud enough and confident enough to speak up in this moment and defend ourselves and say something and raise that awareness instead of just fold into the background, you know, like we've been taught to, or like a lot of us have experienced in our personal lives and say, no, I'm Filipino and Mm -hmm. this is not okay. And something needs to happen about this. And you've seen this kind of rise in like communities of color, taking that on instead of saying, let me try and fit into this white space. And Mm -hmm. let me try and figure out how I can identify as anything but a Filipino. And now we're just saying, no, I'm Filipino. And I'm, you know, taking up this space and you need to listen to me. So it's kind of a bittersweet thing to reflect on, I guess. But, you know, at at the least, I think it's good to put things into context in moments like this so that you don't get burnt out and exhausted. And, you know, it's a form of resistance, I guess. Yeah. One of my pride points is that whenever I talk to like, you know, my non-Filipino counterparts, AKA like white people, (laughs) and I talk about the podcast shows that I do, I always mention the Filipino American Woman Project. I said like, you know, and I say this jokingly, but it's also like true at the same time. I would say like, you know, I created this podcast called the Filipino American Woman Project because people kept asking me what I was. So here you go. (laughs) You know, you want to find out here you go. Like this is for you. So that's a, that's another pride point for me as well. When I think about this conversation, I think it's just really interesting to hear another generation's perspective. You know, I think that so much of what's coming to light is really due to, you know, the voices in that generation. Like, I don't know if we were less empowered or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I can't explain what was happening to society at the time, but I just, I love that it's, it's a topic. And, you know, now that we know it's an issue, we can do something about it. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I'm so appreciative of the time that we're in and to have this opportunity to have a podcast show where we could talk about these issues openly. And, you know, when I think about like my mom's generation and my dad's generation, when we when I think about their generation, it's like just something such as podcasting wasn't as accessible or wasn't even made aware of that we could have access to it. And so you know, however we got here, I'm glad that we're here (laughs) and we need to kind of like plant our flag and stay here and own this space and continue to, you know, have these conversations because they definitely are very fruitful and um, they are making an impact to, you know, even just for us as a community to embrace our story and, you know, wholeheartedly, you know, be who we are and and own our space and really, you know, be the change that we want to see is how I see it. Well, Laura, thank you so much for, you know, just being very thorough and sharing your past with us. I am curious to know, because you are Marie's sister, I'm curious to know like what the dynamic is between you two, because I've been talking to her extensively um, and helping her on, you know, unpack her story more, even beyond the conversation we had on the show. And, you know, I don't think she had mentioned you much in our conversations yet. So let me know, like, I guess what it was like growing up with her, like some things that you want us to know that maybe she won't be too embarrassed about, but what, (laughs) what was like that dynamic growing up with you two? Well, you know, she's the older sister, you know, and I'm the youngest and my brother's in the middle. And honestly, like my sister to me has always been like the trailblazer. She does like, if I need somebody like I'm just a little more quiet, 
I used to be more extroverted. And I think as I've gotten older, I've just gotten more relaxed and I've become a little more introverted. But my sister, I could always count on her. Like if something's going on, she's coming down to the school. She's Getting her yes. hair up if she has to, you know, you know that, you know that. You Absolutely, I know that. Her. She taught me that. Um, yes. <laughs> yep, yep. So I would say, like, she is the epitome of a strong, will not take it. I love it. You know, like whenever I needed to bring in the big guns, even if it was a guy, like I would call my <laughs> sister, and you know, she would definitely come to the rescue. So, yeah, you know, she's always been very independent. I think that's pretty obvious. I've spoken to her very out spoken. I know exactly what's on her mind. But as she's gotten older, she's been able to mellow out a little bit. You can still, (laughs) you know, spark that fire in her. But yeah, she's a pistol. I mean, I'm trying to think if there are any stories. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah, what can I share without (laughs) without getting her upset or anything? (laughs) Yeah, you know, my sister could always make my brother and I do just about anything. I know there were times growing up, uh, she wrapped up a pretty good phone bill and my folks always kept the house pretty stocked and we ended up making a menu of what we had pretzels ice cream cones hot dogs and we ran around the neighborhood and this was my sister having my brother and I and then our neighbor Kevin do this we Mm -hmm. would collect orders we even had flower bouquets which were flowers we picked from the neighbor's garden and gave back to them Um, the ice cream cones we didn't know how to use the scoop so we would take the ice cream and form it with our hands and put it on the cone and we were selling it. <laughs> okay. um, and all of this to help my sister pay for a really expensive phone bill I love uh, that she this. ended up racking up in her teens. Yeah. Cause at that time there was no so cell funny. phone. And so if you were calling another city, there was long distance. Yes. So your family would know, yeah, if you're in Fremont and you're calling somebody in San Jose, there's a charge for that at the time. So we needed to, you know, help her raise, I think it was like a hundred some odd dollars back in the eighties. That's no small that's amount. And yeah. we sold the food my, my family bought. They didn't know that that's what we were doing, but um, yeah, we were <laughs> the selling phone the bill food got for paid. my house. <laughs> the bill got paid. The bill got paid. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story, Laura. That's just, yes. <laughs> that's just hilarious and very resourceful, I think, and creative <laughs> to pay back yes. that phone bill. Yep. It speaks to exactly. her personality. I love to hear about her as a kid because it feels very reminiscent to me of like how Mo was when we were kids. You know, right? like they're so alike. They're so different, but they're so alike. And I think in that <laughs> sense, like the resourcefulness, the creative, like entrepreneurial, like how am I going to make money? Like drive that they have. Yeah. The ambition, the ability to like recruit the whole family to like (laughs) do whatever they wanted. I love it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, And it sounds like not much has changed (laughs) in in the best way possible, of course. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Laura, again, thank you so much for sharing that. It it fills my heart just learning more about Nani's family overall. So thank you for that. Let's go ahead and transition to life today. I know that when we're prepping for this conversation, it was more like, let's just see what happens when we're on the conversation. So let me know right now in this moment, Laura, what keeps you busy or excited about life nowadays? So what keeps me busy, and it's not so much exciting, but I work a tremendous number of hours, I think just like a lot of us do. And, you know, you work them from home. 
so that blend between what's work and what's home tends to really get diffused just a little bit. And so it's our busiest season right now. So mm. work, work, work. But what's new since I actually filled out the form is as I did let my place of business know, hey, at the end of June, I'm going to be you know, taking a little break. October would have been 15 years at the same wow. company. And I think it's just time, again, the right timing, the environment, the temperature, what's happening in the world to just kind of take a little bit of a step down, take a little bit of a break and reassess, I guess, the next chapter in my life. And I have no idea. There's not necessarily a plan in place, but it's just like this conversation, little things I've noticed have guided me to some very interesting people. And so I'm just going to kind of go down that path and see what these connections or what the universe is trying to guide me to. Like, I feel it, there's something coming. And yeah, I just, I feel like I need to take a break from, you know, the nine to five and kind of explore that other part of it, you know, the, the more Zen and just out of the nine to five, really. Yeah. Wow. I feel humbled to catch you at a time in your life where you've worked at the same place for almost 15 years and now you're about to transition. That must, I mean, I, I imagine that it didn't take you 15 years to get to this point. You know, what, what was like, how, how long ago was it before you started to realize like whether it's months or years, I don't know, like where you're like, you know what, I think, I think I'm ready to like take a break or do that kind of transition. Like how long ago was that for you? Well, I mean, I think not very many decisions are going to, you know, are going to be snap decisions. You tend to notice yeah. them over time. And really, I think I started noticing like, hmm, I may not be in the best mental space. I may not be in the best of health anymore due to the amount of time that I dedicate to work. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I really gave it some thought like two or three years ago and then eh, you let it ride and then something happens and then you know, you end up in the project and you're like, okay, this is going to take my attention. And then you come back and you're like, uh, yeah, still isn't there. So I'd say maybe it's over the course of the last year and life sometimes will make the decision for you just because certain things will happen. And it's, you got to pivot, you got to pivot and you got to be able to kind of make those moves and shifts. And I'm really grateful that I'm in a position to take a break. I know not everyone can, and, you know, and so like I said, I'm just going to kind of have to see where the path takes me. Yeah. I know for you, Nani, you've been thinking a lot about like even your own work as well. And if you should stay or go or whatever. And so I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, just hearing Laura a share of this moment in her life right now. Yeah. I think we actually talked about this the last time I saw you when you were here for Mo's baby shower slash engagement party. <laughs> I think we talked about it a little. I know I was like, pretty drunk. So I don't remember (laughs) the whole conversation that we had, but I remember you telling me that you had been at the company for like 14 or 15 years Mm. now. And I was like, Oh God, I haven't stayed anywhere for more than like one and a half years or two years, you know, and I feel the same way, you know, although I haven't stayed in one company or one position for, for that long, I've been in administrative assisting for my whole career. So over 10 years now, and I've felt that same kind of pull. And I know what you mean about like, oh, let me follow this. And then it's like, oh, it doesn't really come to fruition the way that you thought that it would. And you have this like comfortable place of security and benefits and a salary and all that. And it's like, okay, maybe this is not the most fulfilling thing, but at least it keeps me comfortable. And so you stay and then that happens again. And it's just this pattern for me, it's been 
you know, like me thinking that it was the job that I was in. Mm -hmm. So I would quit and go somewhere else, but do doing the same thing. And now I'm starting to realize, no, it's, it's what I'm doing. That's not fulfilling, you know, not where I'm working. It's what I'm doing. And so I'm feeling that same kind of gravitational pull to uh, just explore something else. And I think that this podcast has really allowed me to like come into that, that confidence and saying like, yes, I do want to transition out of this. And just like you, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there, but I'm ready to like, <laughs> I'm ready to make the move as soon as there's like some direction in sight, you know? I was just going to say, like in those situations, Nani, and tell me if you feel the same, you got to be willing to bet on yourself because like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know yeah. that I'm going to like, I'm not going to, you know, end up on the streets or something. Like, I right. know that I'm going to find that way, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, do or die. And I think that that's really what made or helped me to solidify my decision is like, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm the one mm. person that I know I can count on every single time and I'll find a way. Don't know what it is, but I'll find it. And so I think absolutely. it's just having that confidence to bet on yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's the difference in all the times before that I was like, oh, should I try something else? And then been like, nah, ended up not doing it. Now it's like, no, now I know I can trust myself to actually make something happen, you know? And again, I don't know what it is or what it's going to look like, but I'm just, I just feel more secure in that, in that decision. This is not related, but sort of related. I was with like my college sweetheart. I call him college sweetheart because we were, we met in college, but I was with him for like, I think like five, seven years, the, the, last, the last two were very complicated, 2008 till 2015, so about seven years. And I remember that I got to a point where I kind of already like assessed every scenario of the relationship I had with my, you know, with him at the time to realize that I was willing to take a leap of faith into the unknown than to stay in something that I already knew was going to just be the same, if that makes sense. And I think that sometimes we have to get to that place, right? Where we've like assessed everything. We tried our options. We've, you know, picked up some outlets to help us cope or, you know, like make do or, or stay at a certain place. And you just kind of get to a place where like, you know what? I think this is the end of a chapter, you know? And, and I'm not even angry about it. Like yeah. this is a time to actually move on. And it's like, I love you. And, and in this case, the job, it's like, I appreciate the job, but I think there's something new for me. And I don't know what it is, but I know that there's something pulling me in that direction. And for me, it was like kind of jumping into that absolute like unknown of me breaking up with him. Cause I literally didn't know any, like what my life would look like. Like I lost my virginity to this guy. So I literally thought like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, you know, it was like, it was one of those things where it's like, oh, I lost my virginity to him. Therefore he's my, he's the one and only, you know, he's yeah. my true love. I have to marry him, have you to know, be with him. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember like kind of letting him go was kind of like facing death in a sense. But sometimes I think that it's like when you've, kind of explored all your options and you've tried everything out, you do get to that place where like, you know what? I did all that. I, I'm ready to move on and I don't know where I'm going, but I know I have to get going. Like, I know I have to go somewhere. And that's what it sounds like. You're in the place right now, Laura is like, you know, I thought thoroughly about this for the last couple of years. And luckily, like, you're not going to be homeless. Like you said, like you're in a really good position to, you know, explore something new. And I just want to say kudos to you. Like, that's a big shift, at least for most of us, you know, in our families, they expect us to stay in one job forever, you know? And so for you to kind of arrive to this place for yourself and make that decision to like start a new chapter, you know, it's, it's a big leap of faith, but it sounds like you have the confidence to take it. You know, you have the confidence and kind of, like you said, you're betting on yourself to make that change. And I'm excited for you. Yes, me too. 
Yeah. So I really like what you said, Laura, you know, you have to be willing to bet on yourself. And I already feel like that's going to be like the title of our show or something. But other than that, you know, so we've reached kind of the point of the conversation where I always like to ask people, you know, what is a life lesson you want to share? And what's the story of your life that's associated with that? So in addition to, you know, you have to be willing to bet on yourself. Is there any other lesson you want to share with us today? Well, I mean, I think within the same vein of just, you know, betting on yourself and really just kind of understanding that at the end of the day, we can only, I mean, we have our families and we have our friends. And I think in the Filipino community, our families can be very close knit at times. And so you can feel like you have a lot of resources, but at the end of the day, the person that you're going to have control over the person, you know, that's really going to make a difference, whether it's just something in your mind on how you view something, your perspective, But it's all, you know, within yourself, whether it's just realizing not a negative perspective, but like, hmm, I didn't realize I did that. I thought that just kind of putting the question, throwing it back on yourself, whether it's about culture, whether it's about mental wellness to just say, okay, I just experienced that. But how could I have personally made it different, uh, impacted the situation in a unique way? And I think just at the end of the day, being willing to bet on yourself. And I really wish I had a better life lesson here. But yeah, you know, just honestly relying on yourself and knowing that at the end of the day, you're going to reach deep down and figure it out. You know, I think that's really it. Yeah, I think that life is a combination of trusting yourself and trusting the universe that it's going to, you know, conspire in your favor. I think like, you know, very often we want to control things. We want to know for certain, like, what's going to lie ahead. But sometimes it's about, like you said, like betting on yourself and then trusting that the world, you know, the universe, God, however you want to describe it is going to, you know, support you. It's literally a leap of faith because you literally don't know, like, you know, what's going to happen when you decide to take a chance in that kind of capacity. Nani, any thoughts? Yeah. Just what you touched on earlier about, you know, in the Filipino community or in Filipino families, we lean on each other a lot for support and we're very much like involved in each other's personal lives and Mm -hmm. we very much feel the need to like assert ourselves in the decisions that other people make and vice versa which is you know part of the beauty of our culture but I think there does become a point in your life and whether it's in your relationships or in your career you know or, or whatever space that you're really invested in that you have to say okay, I can do this on my own. And I think that's why I didn't tell anyone from my family for a long time that I was doing this podcast because it was my thing to explore my identity on my own Mm -hmm. without anyone else weighing in because that's how it's been my whole life. And I've appreciated that and I've loved that and I've leaned on that a lot. And I don't ever want to lose that. Obviously, I prefer it that way. I'm a very like communal person just in general, but it was just something that I felt like I needed to venture off into on my own before I started sharing it with everyone because I was so just worried about Mm. what everyone's two cents was going to be. And now I'm not, you know, now I'm like, listen or don't join the (laughs) show, you know, come be on the show or don't. And it's been like an overwhelming flood of response that I've gotten, you know, not just from like people willing to come on the show like you guys, but also like my dad, you know, that was someone that I was really worried about what he was going to think. And, you know, I talk a lot of shit about him on the show (laughs) and I thought that it was going to make him upset. And to my surprise, his response was like, 
it's your truth, you know, like speak Aww. your truth. And I was like, okay, dude. Yeah. And he got you <laughs> a mic <Love> that. <laughs> and he helps me with my sound setup and all my equipment. So, you know, we're definitely going to get him on this show too. Oh yes. <laughs> when the yeah. time is right. But yeah, I think it can just be so rewarding in ways that you can never anticipate or ways that you could never expect until you just trust yourself. And like you said, bet on yourself and, you know, venture off on your own. And it also doesn't mean that you have to lose that community behind you. It just Mm -hmm. means that you're kind of, like Jen said, like planting your flag in the ground and you're claiming your stake with whatever it is that you want to do. So I think it's also really special that we're able to catch you, Auntie Laura, at this point in your life when you're about to make such a huge pivot and we'll definitely have to like do it again to follow up to see what comes of this kind of space of uncertainty that we're all in right now. Yeah. The last thing I want to add on top of that is I know that very often we are afraid to branch away from our family. And the way that I want to reframe that is when we venture off from our family, to me, I see it as the highest compliment to our family to show them that they had built such a wonderful nest for us that we are now able to fly on our own and that we have the confidence knowing that we could always come back home. And I want to share that because I know that a lot of listeners we've had, or even, yeah, a lot of listeners or even guests on our show, a lot of our fear is to let our family down. But I want to reframe that by saying that's the greatest compliment to your family is venturing off and coming back with so many beautiful resources, skills, knowledge, et cetera, you know, continuing to expand the family forward. And part of that is venturing off for some time. Anyway, that's my way of reframing it for anyone that needs to hear that. Because I know for my family, even though I am estranged to a lot of them, my relatives, like I'm very close to my immediate family now. And my sister's in a space where she's ready to learn about dad's story and had and I got into podcasting, haven't I ventured off you know, I wouldn't have the skill set to help her ask the right questions and approach people in a way that is delicate, you know, over a very sensitive topic of having lost dad. And I'm grateful for that, you know, yeah, or the willingness to open those relationships back up with the family that you've been estranged from and who, you know, you've had like abusive dynamics with in the past. Mm -hmm. That's something that you can now you've now like worked through a lot, I think, through Mm -hmm. this podcast. And so, you're willing to say, okay, if this is important to you, like, let me sit down and consider it. Let me sit down and help you. Let me sit down and figure out how we can do it together instead of, you know, maybe if you hadn't have done all the work that you've done on this podcast, you might've been like, oh no, that's just not an option. Like I can't, I can't go back to that, you know? Right. Exactly. Yes. Very well said, Nani. Uh, Well, uh, Laura, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Any closing thoughts before we go? I would say I'm just really excited to sort of see where you guys take the project to see how it grows and to kind of see all of the folks that you're influencing and touching, you know, just with your voices. I think it's really, really cool. And I wish you both the best of luck. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah, we no, we really appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up here with that said. Laura, I want to thank you so much again for your time. Thank you so much for being here, contributing to the project. And of course, Nani, thank you for continuing to bring your family on our show. It's just so fun to learn more about you and the amazing people in your life that you've been influenced by. And yeah, that's it. That's my closing thoughts. Anything from you, Nani? Yes. No, thank you so much, Auntie, for joining us today. And Yeah. Like you said, I hope it opens the door for more of this kind of dialogue, whether, you know, more, more people want to come on the show 
or whether it's just when we get together and we have that chance to sit down and talk, I do hope it opens the door for these kinds of conversations in, in whatever capacity. Cool. Well, with that said, of course, to our listeners, you know that if you want to get a hold of us, we have a phone number. You can leave us a text or voice message, by the way. No one leaves us voice messages. So, you know, you could be that <laughs> one special person that heard this message and leaves a voice message and I will love you for it. But our phone number is 415-484-8329. Again, that's 415-484-8329. And of course, you can check out all the other ways you can get a hold of us by checking out our website, tfaproject.com. That's T-F-A-W project.com. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us and we'll check with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Bye.